ahead. Spoilers ahead. The Honorable, the Chief Podcaster and Associate Podcaster of Max Mike Movies. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. All persons wanting to hear chatter about movies are admonished to draw near and give their attention, for the podcasters are now sitting. Bumpy save the United States and these honorable podcasters. <laughs> Our new episode in the series Semi-Real People is now in session with Chiefy Weefy podcaster Mike Luce and astonishingly associative podcaster Max Levine presiding. Sitting on the docket of the bay is 2018's On the Basis of Sex, a biopic about the early career of the notorious RBG herself. Red, blue, and green? That's her. Oh. The late lamented Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ooh. Draw near like cattle and ye shall be heard. <laughs> Is that H-E... Oh, never mind. That's H-E-R-D, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to go with Fired <laughs> for 200 I always wanted to do that. I... I, I worked hard on that opening. That was an actual modification of the way the bailiff opens the Supreme Court sessions. Kind oh. of. <laughs> possibly less reference to Bumpy. <laughs> well, that's the problem with our government today. There's too little reference to Bumpy. That's right. We're going to form the All Bumpy Party. Yeah, which will be dedicated to the mur the murder and devouring of Bumpy. Hey, speaking of Bumpy, uh, there's a way for our listeners to uh, earn some Bumpy bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, and, and how might that, they do be? that? How might, how would, well, they could answer our poll question. Ooh. Yes, and this week's poll question, which technically comes from me, except for the fact that Mike came up with it. Well, well don't you is, want to answer last week's first? Oh, That's how we, we did do that. But we can't do this week, because that was last week, next week. <sighs> yes, let's, uh, fine, we'll do last week's I'd poll like question. I'd like fired for 400. <laughs> our last, uh, last week's question was... Is there any actor who, when you see their name attached to a movie, makes you go, nope, no way, not going to watch it? And conversely, is there any actor whose attachment to a movie guarantees that you'll watch it? And we got a few, a bunch of pretty interesting responses. Cool. Uh, from one of our longtime listeners and uh, longtime relative of Mike, Val. <laughs> uh, her answer was uh, that the, she, absolutely, she will not watch Sasha Baron Cohen. Hmm. Uh, and... Uh, if there's anything that uh, she will watch whenever they come out, it's anything that Wes Anderson has made. Oh, interesting I, choices. I don't. I won't not watch Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen. I just haven't. I liked the first Borat movie, and I've he doesn't he doesn't repel me. Um, <laughs> I can't say that I would like. Oh boy, the new Sasha Baron Cohen's out. I want to go see it. I've seen him in a couple of things. I'm told he's really good in The Trial of Chicago 7. I mean, he got an Oscar nod for that. Hmm. He doesn't but, repel me. High yeah, praise indeed. Yeah, high praise indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Who else we got? Uh, yes, from our international contingent, Vince. Uh, yeah, he hadn't really thought about it, but he tends to keep away from Mel Gibson movies. I can't imagine why. Duck! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Duck, I liked his, he liked his earlier his early forms. Yes, we did start all the wars after all, and uh, <laughs> and space lasers. Yeah, basically, at some point, his some, his brain melted, and he turned into his racist father. And now hmm. uh, it's yeah, but uh, uh, the ones that Vince would will almost always go see is John Hurt. Oh, 
It's a good, which is a really good choice because John Hurt, first off, that gives you a hell of a lot of different kinds of movies because John Hurt appears in anything, all yeah. kinds of stuff. I mean, he's not Michael Caine, but... No, he's not Michael Caine because, you know, I'm pretty sure Michael Caine showed up in my graduation video. <laughs> also, I think uh, John Hurt's a little more selective, shall we say? I, yeah, I don't. I think John Hurt is less of the anything for a paycheck kind. I mean, quite honestly, if they had done a live version of... The Harlem Globetrotters are on Gilligan's Island. I think Michael they, Caine would have They did been... a live version of the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. Was Michael Island. Caine in it? <laughs> I, I think he was dressed as a robot, but yes. Sure. Did he swim it's to Hawaii? Because there's a robot in it. <laughs> he did not swim to Hawaii. Okay. <laughs> and uh, from from our boy, The Wheeze, uh, Wheeze. saying that uh, the Tom, Tom Cruise is one that he generally avoids, just doesn't get the appeal. I, I can't think why. <laughs> was was I, I that your? Do, I, I can't do the laugh. His well, you, Tom Cruise has developed this really creepy laugh. Well, the reason you can't do it is because you're too tall. Oh, oh, ouch! <laughs> yeah, but uh, Weez also says that Christian Bale is an actor whose films he always looks forward to. Yeah. The man has range. He, he really does. does. He, he's pointing out, I didn't know he was playing this part. He's apparently playing Gore the God Butcher in Thor 4. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, very popular and well-known first-tier Marvel villain. <laughs> I thought Gore, and that's with two R's, by of course the way, it was, is. Like, <laughs> was one of those like monsters from uh, Journey into Mystery, like, you know... Oh, Blarg or Goom or <laughs> Fin Fang Foom. Yeah, which before Marvel. real character, real character, by the way, with purple pants. That uh, was actually an inside joke. Apparently, the Marvel writers were so disgusted with the comics code and so bored with what they had to do because they had to make they could do monster comics, but they had to be incredibly bland. And they got so they were just like nobody noticed we were naming these monsters after basically goofy sound effects. Yeah. And then they finally decided they could do superheroes again. But, Max, yes. is there any actor that you yourself go, Wah! and run screaming into the hills? I try. I have thought about it. I can't really say that there is. I mean, I, there's sort of a uh, combination of writer-director in that I cannot bring myself to go watch a Woody Allen movie anymore. Gee, why? <laughs> yeah, funny that. I just, I just can't. But He makes family-friendly <laughs> I'm not saying that there might not be a point where I go, I can't go and watch one of his old ones because some of his old ones are really funny. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'd have to say him. How about you? Is there somebody who, well, and I don't know if there's really anybody. Well, honestly, if I hear Scarlett Johansson is in a movie, uh, that is a big draw. I think she's terrific. I think she has great range. Mm. That's why you uh, go see her is her range. <laughs> Hey, hey, I just wanted gorgeous. I could look at her pictures, but she's a terrific actor. Okay. So, what about you? Is there anyone who you see them in a? Excuse me. Can you narrow it down to one person <laughs> who, if you see them in a movie, you won't go see the movie? No. Because you can't narrow it down. And there's two. Um, oh, two. I, I generally avoid Tom Cruise because I don't need to see him save the world. Um, I, honestly, I swear it's going to get to the point where he, it's literally him making a movie that only he watches. I mm. think it's just going to get to that. And it's like, I don't, I don't, but I like if, um, I don't know, minority report pops up, I'll watch that. I don't hate him. And of course we, we watched one of his films again, which was, sure, um, Magnolia. 
and where he is really, really good, yeah. amazingly enough. So I won't pay for new films, but I would, it's not like a, oh, Tom Cruise, ah! No, but there is an actor that, for whatever reason, if I'll sit there and watch a preview, and if the preview looks good and I'm interested, and he pops up, I will not go. That is Ben Stiller. And if you really mm. want to make sure I'm not going to go, make sure Owen Wilson is there with him. Uh, <laughs> I thought I you were going to say Nicolas Cage, except I know you love National Treasure. I, I don't love it, but, well, we may get to that. Um, oh, yeah. There's mm. a couple of, of, of his roles that I will watch. Strangely, that's one of them. I don't know why. Huh. Um, but, yeah, Ben Stiller, I don't know what it is about him. But he just rubs me the wrong way. Huh. Owen Wilson really just rubs me the wrong way. I can't stand them. And I want to go see more Wes Anderson films, but he tends to hire them. Yeah, both. So. he tends to hire both of the, yeah, and both the Wilson brothers and... Uh, ben the Stiller's Wilson sisters. Not- <laughs> <laughs> She's the cute one. Yeah. Um, Gary Oldman, I'm kind of in on just about anything he does. I uh, I love to see where he's going to go because I never know. Um, like Christian Bale, although to me more so, he is my favorite actor, actor with a capital A, because not because he's acting. I'm so... Ta- I'm so tortured and act no he's just you never know what he's gonna be and sometimes it takes me a while to realize it's him yeah so yeah yeah new poll question yes just for for next week what movie do you wish never had a sequel Mm. multiple sequels single sequels like Casablanca pod pod racing (laughs) not that I'm trying to drop any hints (laughs) So what movie do you wish didn't have a sequel? Did not have a sequel. Hey, you can uh, contact yeah. us with that answer and earn some yes, bumpy bucks. Yes, uh, we'll tell you about that at the end of the show. Yeah, bumpy bucks. They're a thing. Yes. <laughs> Although Max wishes they weren't. But we have a new movie this week, and <laughs> yes, we uh, I'm do. betting, and I, I think I'm not going to lose any money on this, that you have some trivia. The show. Yes, I do. Not very much. There isn't a whole lot on this movie, but uh, there's some. So, on the basis of sex, budget, $20 million, worldwide gross, $38 million. Mm, nah, not, not so a good. failure. Now, as, as you, those are, this is, a, I guess, a spoiler, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually appears at the end of this movie as herself. And uh, the director, Mimi Letter, really wanted her to be in the movie. She wrote to her. And was really happy. She got a, a response that she said, yes, the parents took three takes because Ginsburg wouldn't allow any more. Well, she was like 90? She was in her 80s at that point, yeah. Uh, she also attended the film's premiere along with a couple of uh, her obscure friends, Gloria Steinem and Hillary Clinton. Oh, they're still around, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. And a few days, unfortunately, a few days later, that's when she was diagnosed with the cancerous nodules on her lungs. Hmm. Apparently, she was delighted with the film, even the sex scene. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's more not of a very racy. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it was for me because I wasn't expecting it. And it's like I'm about to watch a Supreme Court justice do it. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very strange moment. Uh, and even though she plays their daughter, uh, I think it's a Jane Ginsburg, Kaylee. Spaney is only 13 years younger than Felicity Jones and 11 years younger than Arnie Hammer. Oops. Well, 
Uh, the first case covered in Ginsburg's contact class at contracts class at Harvard Law was Hawkins v. McGee, nineteen forty-three. This is also the first case covered in the contracts class in the paper chase from nineteen seventy-three. <laughs> also set at Harvard Law School. Yeah, Harvard Harvard doesn't change a lot. No, most. We'll talk about the question of how accurate this movie is a little later, but at the film's climax, uh, when uh, Ginsburg is speaking before the the 10th Appellate Court, she freezes up under the men's scrutiny and ends up ceding her time only to make a last-second recovery during her rebuttal. This is fictionalized. There was no rebuttal. Ginsburg didn't need it. No. According to uh, the the lawyer, DeHart, who was there, Answering every question, the novice litigator made exactly the points she planned. Steepleman has admitted to punching up the drama a little bit. Uh, Steepleman, as he put it, Ruth Ginsburg never flubbed an argument in her life. Mm. Well, he got that, away with mm-hmm. it. You know why he got got away with it, right? Why? He's her nephew. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, that's it for trivia. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm. Well, you'd best tell us the plot. plot, On the basis of sex sums up one of the major legal challenges made by one of recent history's most famous legislators, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This movie follows RBG from her days as one of nine women studying law at Harvard through her attempts to work at prestigious law firms in New York, all of which turned her down almost entirely because she was a woman, to her arguing the landmark case Moritz v. Commissioner of Internal Revenue, where an unmarried man, Charles Moritz, was the primary caregiver for his aging mother, hired a nurse to help out, and then tried to deduct the nurse's salary as a, as a caregiver exemption, only to find that this deduction-slash-exemption only applied to women. Ruth Bader Ginsburg sees this as an opportunity to challenge laws that support gender inequality and fights to have this law overturned. Throughout her career, she is supported by her husband, Marvin, and her occasionally contentious but loving children. This is a view into the early days of one of the best-known jurists of our time. That's pretty much it. The Lowdown. I thought it was Martin. You're right. There. That's five bumpy bucks for you. (laughs) Woo! I'm on my way to a new car! (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry. Fifty bumpy bucks to Gryffindor! (laughs) Up yours, Snape. <laughs> Griffin Puff wins. <laughs> right, but yeah. One really of the nice. things that strikes me about, uh, and they really play this up in the movie, is how tiny Ruth Bader Ginsburg was. <laughs> I now, think the actor though is actually taller than she was, but not by much. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was five foot one. Felicity Jones is five foot three. Yeah. So See? yeah, she towered over her by two <laughs> inches. <laughs> Yeah. Um, when the movie starts, it starts off with something that made me init- very quickly go, uh-oh. What? The first words of the film, do you remember what the first two words of the film were? I do not. Inspired by... Ah, uh, yes. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there, there is some question about that. I, was, I looked some of that up. Oddly enough, a lot of the stuff is, most people say, is really accurate. If anything... It kind of tones her down. 
Well, let's let's get to this because it's one of our questions, and we might as well yeah. not waste the answer. So sure. one of the questions we ask of all the films was how accurate was the accurate was the depiction? And my feeling was this film feels really Hollywood. It feels kind of hallmarky. It feels yeah. kind of movie of the week. And I went and looked it up because it's like, okay, here it comes. And in, same thing. They were like, yeah, that whole thing at the end that you brought up in trivia where she did not flub anything. She never mm-hmm. flubbed anything. That's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. And my thing was, when I was watching it, I'm thinking, oh, there's no way the husband was this supportive. Same and thing. This- and everyone who, apparently everyone who knew them, and they had a lot of friends, all said, yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. Martin, in fact, well, I, one of the parts I liked was when Martin was dating her, one of the ways he, as they put it, won her was by m- emphasizing how much he respected her, not just how, how hot she, he thought she was. Yeah. And also, yes, he was that tall and that good looking. Yeah. I saw picture I've seen pictures of him. The guy was a good-looking guy. She was also very cute when she was young. Yeah. Uh one of the things that I read was that they they kind of softened was uh she basically was known for never having any second dates because as you pointed out there were nine women in her yeah. class and all of these Harvard guys. So she would basically be as picky as she wanted. She's like, "Nope, nope, nope, yeah. you." <laughs> Yeah, it, um, it's real. I like the way they started off. They start off with the Harvard song, 10,000 Men of Harvard. And there she is, this tiny woman in a blue dress among this sea of men in black suits. Yeah. The problem was, I couldn't understand what they were singing. And at first, I thought it was some sort of weird German marching song. <laughs> and then it's like, wait, is that Latin? And then finally, I heard the word Harvard. And it's like, oh, okay. All yeah, right, now I yeah, know where we are. Well, it's not the Harvard song, but it's a Harvard song. Yeah. Uh, other things I found that were, you know, these are so small that it merely was surprising that they were this small. Uh, Charles Moritz was actually first approached by Marty, not Ruth, and they Uh. didn't actually meet face-to-face till 1971 when they were doing the actual appeal to the Tenth Circuit Court. She also never met Kenyon, played very well, although very briefly, by Kathy Bates. Um, Kathy Bates is awesome. I like Kathy Bates and everything. I wish there had been more of her, but she actually isn't much of the story. No. You should have bought a squirrel. Um, (laughs) she um, She was there to show that there were women before Ginsburg and, you know, just like she wasn't the only one. And that was cool because Ginsburg never claimed that she was the one and only. Um, so they decided to put her in as a character. Also, I believe the woman in the mock trial mm-hmm. was actually transgender. Wait, the um, actor or the, per- no, or the, the actual the person? person? The actual oh, no person. kidding. I didn't, I didn't get that part. Um, also, one thing I'm amazed that they left this out, especially because... Uh, Dean Griswold, as played by Sam Watterson, is such a dick. Oh, my God. So yes. Because there's one point early in the film where her husband, who is a year ahead of her, um, mm. graduates and gets a job elsewhere in New York. They're in obviously in Boston. And she goes to Harvard and said, look, I've been here for two years. Can I transfer to Columbia and still get my Harvard diploma? And he's yeah, like, not to mention, no. Yeah, I've been here for two years. I'm the top of my class. I'm on the Harvard Law Review, which I believe she was the first woman to do so. Yep. And he was like, no. And she points out, you did this for these other people. He's like, well, that's different circumstances. And he wouldn't say it, but it was because they were men. And there's this wonderful scene, which did happen, by the way. Yeah. This is real. When she's, the, uh, the dean invites the nine women to his house and basically has them stand up, say who they are, 
and why they have taken a spot at Harvard Law that could have gone to a man. Yeah. And I got to say, Harvard eventually realized what a massive screw-up this was. And this is the part that I was getting to. They repeatedly try to offer her a law degree, and every time she refused, yep. so telling them, you can't rewrite history. Yep, because she went on to be the top of her class at Columbia as well, yeah. and be yeah. on the Columbia Law Review. Um, yeah, so, yeah, she had to go to crappy old Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing, is that she's like, look, I put the work in, and I've nursed my husband who had cancer and helped him get his degree, and you won't let me transfer and get my original... No, because Harvard's a dick. That is one part they over-dramatized. She did not go to his classes. No. She, she just, would get notes from his colleagues, type yeah. them up, and help him write his, his work and type right. up his work. So, in um, effect, she was taking two law degrees at once. Yeah, and that, which is actually, you know, and they had a, an infant daughter. Um, but I'm, I'm betting that she used that experience to her advantage as well she should have because it's like, well, I know what's coming because I'm doing it with my husband. Um, I... I was very surprised because for me the film felt very over polished and you know okay let's overemphasize this as okay and she did this and that and it turns out they actually made her as you said look less that scene at the end um, I kind of wish they hadn't done that I would because they kept making it seem like the only reason she couldn't be a lawyer is because she had no actual experience in the courtroom. And it turned out that that even wasn't an obstacle. Maybe they thought we wouldn't believe it. I don't know. But <laughs> just having that small person come up and just be like, no, you're all wrong. Let me tell you why. <laughs> and yep. do it. I, uh, yeah. I was, I was very surprised. I, I read three different articles from three different sources about, because I just typed in, uh, what are the inaccuracies yeah. of, on the basis of... And they all came back pretty much the same thing. Uh, these tiny little things, but really, no. <laughs> and it, you know, and it starts off early on with what looks like it's going to be a tragedy where her husband, Martin, gets uh, testicular cancer. Yeah. And, uh, God, when the doctor tells him that the survivability rate at that point is 5%. Yeah. By the way, I looked this up too. As nowadays, the survival rate for testicular cancer if caught early, the five-year survival rate is ninety-five percent. Cool. Got um, better at it. Well, and he would—he actually ended he, up lasting he went, a long time. He went on to, he lived to be seventy-eight and had another child. And they also—they were married for fifty-six years. Yep, they were married right up until the end. He/she survived him by ten years. I will have to say, for as nice and supportive a, a man as he is. They picked a pretty interesting actor to play. Now, him. before we get before we jump all over Mr. Hammer, please remember a lot of this stuff is still allegations by a lot uh, of different people. <clears throat> yeah, you know, which he denies the yes, the whole sexual assault aspect and the um weird fetishes. Yeah. Yeah, he's it, it, and it's hard this this comes back to a theme that we've visited many times with separating the actor from the performance. It does take me out of it a little bit to look at him and go, uh, uh. Yeah. Hey, remember that Wicca lady from last week's movie that did that weird blood drinking ceremony with yeah, uh, Jim yeah, Morrison? Yeah, 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 it's kind of like that. Only worse, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Army Hammer, he's somebody I won't willingly go see. Again, um, I mean, who suppose things haven't been proven, but when so many people keep coming forward with the same story, 
Uh, I don't know. But take that as you will, because this is not a proven case. There's been no actual charges to the best of my knowledge, but it's something to be aware of. Um, I could say there's another actor in this film that I was instantly just like, no, absolutely no way. Do not believe it. This does I nope, not fooled. Eh? Harvard. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was not Harvard. Oh boy, is it not Harvard? And the that best was thing about so it is, not Harvard. I realized very soon on, it's like for one thing, I know what Harvard looks like, but I also yes. realized, oh, you're not showing any outside shots of any kind. No, because ah. they were fi- the movie was filmed in one day in Washington D.C. to shoot that shot uh, coming up the steps of the Supreme Court, and the rest was shot in Vancouver. Yeah. Well-known home of Harvard, Inc. I don't know. <laughs> it I mean, ain't Harvard University. I grew up in the area, so for me, it's easy. When they get to New York, though, I had another note that says, it's probably not New York either. And it turned out it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can just tell. It's like, no, no. Yep, the skyline's <laughs> wrong, or the color of the building. There's just something that you just look at it and you go, no, sorry. And I don't care what Soho looked like before it became Soho. That ain't it. You know what it often is? It's the wideness of the streets. For Boston, yeah. forget it. Because it's like it's like the end of War of the Worlds with our pal Tom Cruise. We've made it to Boston, and there's these like four lanes in each direction, <laughs> streets in the middle of the city. It's like, no, no. <laughs> you really haven't. And New York's the Never same Never mind way. where the Minuteman statue is. You really have not made it to Boston. No. Um, and New York the same way. It's like, sure, there are some big streets, you know, Fifth Ave and whatever, but a lot of those side streets that they're showing you, and they're like... Some people are going to have trouble throwing footballs across those things. No, that's not New York, because when they built those cities originally, they just followed the cows, um, at least in Boston. What did you think of the performances? I liked... I'm sorry, again, what was the name of the actor who played Ruth? Um, Oh, that's Felicity Jones. Thank you. We know know from Rogue One. Rogue Warfare One? No. No. Star Wars, Rogue One, or sorry, excuse me, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Ah, yeah, that's, don't, uh, nope, that didn't happen. She Um, played, uh, uh, what's her name? I actually don't remember the character's name. It's Ray. I know it's not, but it is. Yeah. Because as soon as I saw her, it's like, why did you pick somebody who looks exactly like Ray? Okay. Um, in general, I thought she did fine, but her accent? Mm. Now... Yeah, I had a little trouble with the accent, not, but not because of the inconsistency. Well, that too. This, Well, it was inconsistent, but honestly, this is what happens with a lot of people from working class backgrounds in New York. They have very strong accents. This is true a lot of places. They often fight to cover up the accent. My father did that. My father, who was from New York and had underneath a very thick New York accent, spent his whole life erasing it so it was almost undetectable except occasionally hmm. because they don't they don't think it sounds classy especially for academia or the law so i could see with her accent coming out only when she gets upset when she did it it did sound a little bugs bunny-ish you know the kind of, <laughs> yeah you know Bro- I- brooklyn brooklyn jewish woman you know it's like yeah it's right i'm from, I'm from brooklyn yeah and see- uh, it was a little cartoony I didn't hear that. I just heard her dropping her R's, and it's like, uh, where are you from? No, the dropping the R's is fine. It, uh, but that's even it. The that's tone, all I heard. No, she did some of the tone occasionally, but again, it was not very consistent. It's a hard accent to do, and I imagine it's especially hard for an English person. 
Is Felicity Jones Jewish? Yeah, uh, I don't believe so, no. Okay. How about Army? Army, I'm not sure. No, um, no, I meant, what did you think of his oh, performance? I, don't, I would I'm guess pretty, Army Hammer is not Jewish. That is a serious, as we say, seriously goyish upon him there. Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, I thought he did a nice job. He didn't have a lot to do. They didn't really explore a lot of the depth of uh, Marty, except he comes across, again, when you can separate the performance from the actor, he comes across as very likable. And uh, you just get the feeling this is a, this is one of the good ones. You just get the feeling he's a good guy. Yeah. Like you, uh, I didn't I, believe it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but apparently he really was. I, I, I like his the way he is with his daughter. Yeah. And... Uh, the way he's very aware when, uh, you know, the way people treat Ruth. Mm-hmm. How about the daughter? Who I but like her. She's good. I hope, I hope she's going on to do more stuff. Oh, I just meant the character. I thought the actor was terrific, but yeah, the daughter is very cool. And yeah, she went on, and the actual, you know, character, the person went on to become a, a law professor, I think, at Columbia. Yes, she did. Uh, what I liked was that there's Ruth, a woman in a traditional man's job, trying her best, and she ends up becoming going into academia, which is not where she wanted to go, but nobody would hire her because she's yeah. a woman. Stupid! Um, and she's trying to show her, especially her uh, female students, what the whole deal is with you know racial inequality, or not racial, I'm sorry, sexual inequality, also racial inequality. Mm-hmm. And she comes home, and she is pwned by her daughter, <laughs> who basically says, yeah, you talk a good thing, but you don't do anything about it. And Ruth stands there, and she's like, uh... Yeah, she's I'm, got no answer. No, and the sad thing is, is that poor Ruth is doing the best she can from within the system, which is sadly not as much as she could and she is so capable and she is so smart but her daughter in essence is right and i think what ruth the the great moment is ruth realizes oh yeah she's actually out there she's skipping school to go meet gloria steinem at a rally she's not like hanging out with her friends and doing drugs she's actually out there protesting Mm -hmm. I, I like that scene where they've just come from seeing um, the 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 lawyer uh, in Soho, and these construction workers are catcalling them, and Ruth is just going uh, just ignore them, and the daughter stomps over and yells, "Hey, you kiss your mother with that mouth, asshole!" <laughs> Sorry, you'll have to bleep that. Yes, I will. No bumpy but, bucks for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Ginsburg just looks at her in awe. She's yeah. like, "Oh my, she's do she's." Becoming exactly what I want her to become. She's becoming exactly what I wanted to become. I she's think not that's afraid. The, she's not. She's not cowed. I think that's the point too. Is that she realizes that she didn't become what she thought she was. Like she realized that, you, like you said, her daughter was not only doing what she hoped her daughter would do, but something that she thought she had done and hadn't. And she's still cowed by not only men, but by this. I don't know if that scene's real or not, but it it works well in the film. And she does. And then she ends up, she decides, I'm going to do something. And she takes the case, even though everyone is telling her not to. Yeah. That was another little inaccuracy. Apparently, yeah. um, her, her pal there at the ACLU yeah. was on board with it. Yeah. Um, he didn't like his depiction in the film, which is understandable because yeah, it looks like he's... Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a jerk. Um. But, you know, there's a little, considering how much there could have been 
played with. Yeah. They really don't play with a lot. There's a little bit. And, of course, this guy gets the worst of it. Although, to be fair, he seems like a pretty open-minded guy. Apparently, there was an issue that he had at the ACLU. And Ruth was like, yeah, I'm not taking your side on that one. And it caused a rift between them. But what um, kind of issue? I don't remember. He, there was something uh, internal that he did oh, that he shouldn't okay. have done. And basically, it was not really not good for her career to side with him just because they were friends because apparently he did whatever it was and mm. they never patched that up um i came across that in one of the articles but again it's that could easily have happened later on so whatever um yeah yeah, yeah. i think the i think the uh performance in this in are generally really good i think they're yeah. very solid um, I, I liked uh Stephen Root, who's almost unrecognizable as the Harvard Law professor who's uh, going on with the Solicitor General to uh, to fight f- against uh, uh, Bader Ginsburg. Who's Stephen Root? Uh, he was the uh, law professor who like kept not calling on her. No, no, then, but who is he oh, otherwise? Oh, well, let's see. I suppose one of the things he's most famous for is uh, office space. He's the... You, you didn't get my red swing line stapler back on the <laughs> shit, shit the building on fire. That's Stephen Root. He's done excuse a lot. He does me, voice work. Me, He's funny me. as hell. He is really clever. Wow. He wasn't funny it's, in this. It, yeah, it's strange. It's always strange to see him. He's done a number of dramatic roles, and he's usually very good at it. He, he also, I think he's kind of underused. I think he's terrific. Hmm. Um, Kathy Bates, we mentioned her. She's there yep. for five seconds, but she's, I, you know, she's Kathy Bates. You know, you're you're going to look at her and you're going to watch her. And I don't know, there's something very captivating about Kathy Bates. She has incredible presence and incredible charisma. And she obviously also isn't very tall. <laughs> she is also a, a, a diminutive woman, yes, because yeah. she's barely able to look Felicity Jones in the eye. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't know, but it's like, well, we know how tall you are, and you're you're just looking at the top of her head. So okay. <laughs> Yep. Um, there's, of course, very interesting depictions of the times, which are sadly probably factually accurate. Um, the level of misogyny is probably, if anything, underplayed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's um, got to be. Which is damn sad. And I think the reason that I like this film is because you get somebody that we know, not because the film is telling us this or because of some performance or some weird... Hollywood happenstance, we have somebody we know is incredibly capable and basically not allowed to do anything. And hearing some of the arguments, it's really interesting because they the people who they're fighting against, and even, hell, even uh, the ACLU guy is, is saying that women's problem is we're trying to protect them. And that we're trying to keep them in these roles and they're being cherished and they're being honored. And it's not that they're being oppressed. And as she points out, it's still a cage. And that's the saddest part is it's not like straight up racism because they don't actually believe when they're confronted with what they're doing, they don't think they're doing anything wrong. No. They don't understand what the problem is. That's actually a really interesting thing that they never they bring up a bunch of times and they don't really address. They say, "Do you think that that uh, being a woman that, that gender is the same thing as race? You think that ra- that women are oppressed the same way that black people are oppressed?" That's a really difficult question. Well, the big problem was that 
she wanted to say yes because oppression's oppression because you're oppressing somebody that's different from you. The problem was is if she strayed into something that wasn't the case that she was representing is that it would automatically seal her failure. And even though she was like, but it is, it's like, yeah, but if you do that, we're not going to be, you're not going to win and we're not going to make any steps forward. Um, because in, obviously in a ways it's worse because no one, no white old guy lawmakers are cherishing black people, right? Yeah. There was none of the laws were ever made to, to keep them safe. That was never the issue. No, um, it was to keep everyone safe from them. But you see things too, like when she, we only see one of her job interviews, but she doesn't get the job. You can see the guy. And at first I thought, oh, this is going to be her big break. This must be where she started. Because mm. the guy is obviously interested. He's like, yeah, I bet you got taken down because of this and this. And you're angry. Go ahead. Use that. And he's like, he's almost like coaching her in her own interview. And yeah. he finally comes back with, yep, I can't hire you because we're all men here and our wives might get jealous. And it's like, Ugh. well, you could control yourself and not go after her yeah, like that's a pig. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's always the thing. It's like when they say, oh, yeah, well, women need to watch how they dress and watch how, you know, you shouldn't drink too much and you shouldn't walk alone. It's like, well, really? Whose behavior needs to be altered here? You know, yeah. how about maybe men don't assault women? How about that? Is that yeah. crazy? I, anyway, that, that's a whole other thing. But Yeah, yeah I, and I, I like when she's giving the examples about how like well, one one partner I talked to said, well, he does all of his, he does a lot of his networking in the locker room, and that would leave me out of the loop. And another one said women were too emotional to uh, to be lawyers, and oh, that was the one uh, where women. There was some state, was it Idaho, where uh, an est- estates could only be managed by men because women were bad at math. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, sure. Uh, I think they actually hey. have proven, if anything, statistically, if you yeah. have to give somebody an edge, actually women are better than men. Yeah, they, apparently they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, of course, that's all BS anyway. Anybody might be particularly good at anything. It doesn't has nothing to do with... Uh, it may have something to do with your background if you've been given the opportunities for education and stuff, but as far as having an aptitude, does it's not based on anything. Um, although there was a very interesting article, because there's, there's a stereotype about how Chinese kids are better at math than, say, you know, their Western counterparts. Uh-huh. Turns out that that is partially true, but it has to do with the way that numbers are represented. They're actually, the way we represent them makes it harder for us to physically multiply them and add them. Whereas the numeric system in Chinese, apparently, it's much easier to oh. carry that out. And so hmm. it's like, oh, well, if it's a cultural thing, I get that. And I thought that was that. That's another yeah. uh, reference to um, that guy whose name I can't remember, can't remember who wrote um, that book whose name is really interesting. <laughs> oh, the guy no, who the wrote that point. book that time. No, The Tipping Point. Oh, The Tipping Point. And okay, I don't remember who wrote that, but I, I know can't what either, you mean. And I've yeah. read all of his books multiple times, and I could see his Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell. Thank you. Ah, okay. So, yeah, hey, there, yeah. There, there's a, you want an interesting book? Read stuff by Malcolm Gladwell. Anyway. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing some of the stuff they come up. There were arguments about allowing uh, black people into the military, especially for night missions, because it was known that black people had poorer night sight. Uh, this is ba- this is based on. Uh, hang on, I've got it here. Oh yeah, nothing. <laughs> um, I love. I I figured it was because 
uh, as everyone knows, black people tend not to eat many carrots. I guess. <laughs> oh, that, okay, that would have been. Yeah, I can hear you know white supremacists jotting that down. Yeah, well, of course, the best thing about that is that was actually a lie. I loved hearing about that. Do you, do you know about the whole lie about the carrots? Oh yes, that carrots supposedly gave you better night sight, but that was actually propaganda from yeah, the British. The, the British, because they didn't want people to know about radar. <laughs> They wanted to think that the British actually had better night sight because they'd been eating carrots. So that's where that whole thing came from. Um, that's hilarious. Oh, no, no. I remember on Gilligan's <laughs> Island when Marianne ate the, ra- <laughs> ate the radioactive carrots and she developed super telescopic vision. Yeah. Yeah, I never understood. That part I didn't get because it should have given her super night sight. Duh. Yeah, that was the problem <laughs> with that episode. <laughs> radioactive... Uh, yes. Some of the anyway. other arguments, too, about women uh, and equal rights for women, uh, if we give them, that will be, and I quote this from the film, the collapse of our society. Oh, God, yeah, they were <laughs> saying that, like, all, you know, marriages would all end, yeah. uh, children demo- would be coming home to empty homes. And that actually brings up a question I wanted to ask you, because uh, that did pop up for me. Uh, were you a latchkey kid? A latchkey kid, like coming home and not you had having your own a key. Mom. Yeah, in grade school. Uh, I don't think I was allowed to have my own key until middle school, because I okay. kept losing things. No, I oh. no, I would come home and uh, mom would be there. So yeah, they talked about the demise of the American family. Um, yeah, economics would take care of that anyway, because uh, they held the whole thing was the man could could go and work and the woman would stay home. Yeah, by 1970, that wasn't a thing. Yeah, I mean my. <laughs> um, my fa- my parents were divorced when I was uh, seven, and my mother was working, but she st- worked her schedule around so that she was home. But yeah, it was tricky. Yeah, no, I was a latchkey kid. Um, we would come. I mean, we had to wait till I was old enough. But I would say, ten, eleven, I would come home, and I mean, it was definitely fourth grade, which would have been ten. Uh, my sister, of course, she's three years older, so that helped. But I would come home with my own key, and mom would get home eventually and, you know, do the mom thing, because I mean, dad certainly wasn't going to cook. Um, and that that just was the way things were, because you couldn't make enough to live off one salary. Those days were over. Um, and, you know, the idea that it had anything to do with women getting to work as, a, as opposed to having to work is just so laughable. And, of course, the whole thing about the cherishing women and keeping them. How about you actually ask one? <laughs> it's like if a woman wants. Yes, it's, it's not the idea that, what, you don't want to be a wife and mother? Well, maybe this woman wants to be a, a wife and mother and this woman doesn't. No. It's like. It's that whole, uh, as she says, women are not a monolith any more than uh, black people are a monolith. People always say, I can't believe, you know, uh, in this country, women are 51% of the population. Why uh, why haven't uh, we had a female president? It's like you're assuming all women vote the same way, and they don't. Well, it also depends on the candidate, too, right? Because who's allowed to be a candidate, and if... It's like, oh, it's a woman, but if it's not a woman anybody actually wants, it's the same thing as if it's a guy nobody actually wants. They don't get voted in. Or something weird happens, and, well, we won't talk about that. (laughs) Um, Just, yeah, there's just all this stuff. And the thing that kills me, too, is that when women were finally allowed to do some of the things that they're allowed to do, you know, be a scientist, for example, at which they're really good, um, a lot of them were just like, yeah, and I want to be a mother. And they did that, too. I mean, Ruth in this film, she's a mom. Um, she has two kids, and the they learn very early on. Yet, yet, don't no, don't let Ruth cook. No, no. 
Apparently yeah, that was true. <laughs> yeah, apparently both of those that A, she was a terrible cook, and B, he was a great cook. Yeah. Um, women can do anything. That's the answer. They can do anything. Just like anybody can do anything. Uh, so knock it off. There, we solved this. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Yes, we here at Max Mike Movies have solved the problem of gender inequality. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, what do you, do you like trial movies in general, the courtroom sort of movies? Um, courtroom movies have actually been kind of spoiled for me. Huh? Because I've actually been in one. <laughs> but you've been in a courtroom movie? No, I've been in a courtroom. Oh, okay. I have been called for jury duty more than anybody I know, including my really? mother, who was finally called in her 70s and was <laughs> able to say, no, I'm having some sort of procedure and never had uh. to go. Um, I've been called in three states, one of which I didn't even live in at the time. Ooh. I've been called as a witness in two separate trials. Um, one of them I didn't actually have to witness. Is that a, That's a verb, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, sure. And the other one I did. And the lawyer who called me... Didn't even know why he had called me as a witness, and I had to rephrase his <coughs> questions to me so that they would actually make sense. Oh, dear. <laughs> I gotta tell you, courtroom is really boring. Really, really boring. It all looks so nice and dramatic and like, oh, look at these points and everyone's tense and on edge and everyone's saying really erudite. No. <laughs> no. Now, Ruth, I'm sure, that would have been something to see. But that's a rarity. So for me, having been to court too many times ne never for my own like i never did anything but having been to court too many you mean times, you were never caught <laughs> bumpy bucks are real they're not <laughs> counterfeit <laughs> no um so for me they they don't have a particular draw how about you uh i i like them you know intellectually i think some of them are really well done i usually i can't take the tension I really, they just really get me right. I get too wound up. More so than like thrillers or murder mysteries or any of that. There's something about just sitting there listening to the lawyers make the argument. And like when the bad guy lawyer is up, I just want to grab him and slap the crap out of him. <laughs> ah, no, I, I get too worked up. Mm -hmm. I, I think they're good. I think a lot of them are good, but uh, they're just too hard to watch. Did you have that problem with this movie? Not really, because very little of it actually takes place in a courtroom. Right, pretty much I just mean, the end. Yeah, just the just the last really fifteen minutes or so. Yeah. So no, that that, that didn't bother me. I don't mind movies about the, the legal system or about lawyers or judges or what have you, but actual courtroom dramas, uh, that they get me nuts. Mm. I the only thing I had was that I just I didn't know the history. My feeling was. Yeah, she makes her point. We're near the end of the film. She wins. But I, I, I thought she'd got a job, too. And it's like, why won't you? She's the top of her class in two very well-respected law schools. She was on the law review for both. No? Really? <laughs> so I wasn't sure. I was, I was basically, intellectually, I was like, yeah, she wins. But emotionally, I wasn't sure. But I wanted her to win. And that was the thing. Is like, I, And they, they make her stumble and stuff. And it's like, ah! <laughs> so uh, some of our other questions we have to get to before we yeah. get to the end uh, what do we know about Ruth from this movie the person quite a bit we, I think we, we get the, a nice picture of who she is and uh, who she was I don't know it's not as complete as it could be because we see in effect a fairly short part, 
section of her life. It's only like, I don't know, three, four years total. <laughs> you said short. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, well, it's... No, that's true. I mean, her daughter's like 15, so we know that much time has passed, but we don't see a lot of it. It's about six, uh, 16, you know, we start in 54. Yeah, and, and then goes to about... 71, s- yeah, 17 so, years. Yeah, we see some, but I mean... Yeah. Uh, I I hope that there would be another movie about you know when she starts becoming who she became. Yeah. She starts doing the man. She enters the Supreme Court. And she does. She makes these landmark uh, rulings and uh, helps with the decisions. You know when she joined the Supreme Court, she was considered a moderate. Uh, but the court ended up going so far to the right. She became. She was considered one of the more liberal judges. Yeah. But yeah, I think we uh, we get we get a fair amount about her and uh, about what drove her. What did you think? Um, definitely as a person, although as it turns out, I'm a little disappointed that we find out that they made her flub, you know, just for dramatic purposes when she didn't do that. I I both get it, and I still wish they hadn't done it. Yeah, you can see it. Overcoming obstacles is a big dramatic tool. Yeah. I felt in the beginning, it, it, as I said, my notes had Hallmark and Movie of the Week because it's like they really throw on the misogyny in the beginning like they take every opportunity to show what was going on the sad part is as i realized later is like we probably weren't even seeing a, a quarter yeah it was of it. probably underplayed yeah especially at harvard <laughs> no offense harvard but uh yeah um so i think we learn a good basis of probably where she came from right um like you said if she became more you know originally a moderate and became more of a considered a liberal that's interesting um the other question is do we feel we get to know the subject better after having watched this definitely i i knew very little about her personally i knew some some of her as i knew something about her as a supreme court justice i didn't know really anything about her before that mostly what i knew is when she was getting old and getting frail and was diagnosed with cancer the one thing i knew was no (laughs) yeah yeah so um, it was nice to learn a little bit uh, more about somebody who, quite honestly, should have been hailed a lot more than she even was, I think. Um, I That's my big question. Have you got any other questions or have we got to all your notes? Uh, I think we got through uh, everything, yeah. Uh, on the whole, yeah. Yeah, I think we're, so. I was about to start summing up the movie, but we're... I think instead... Yes. We should sum up the movie. The Roundup. That's crazy, but it just might work. So, Max. Yeah. Had you seen this before? I had never seen this. I had only heard of it. And what did you think? I think it's nice. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I don't think it's as powerful as some of the other ones we've seen. Uh, I don't think it's quite as emotionally engaging. It's interesting intellectually, and it's nice to learn all this stuff. Um. As you say, it's very. It feels, regardless of how accurate it may be, it. You're right. It feels very polished, and very Hollywood, and it just. It's just a little too smooth. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, and that that uh, it it made it less gripping. I think. What about okay. what did you think? Pretty much the same. It it's so weird to come across a film that's pretty factually accurate, and you're still going. Yeah, right? and, yeah, and it's good performances, and the dialogue is good, and the writing is decent. But yeah, it's yeah again, it's it's interesting. But I mean, it also has a 
I don't know if there is another biopic that does this. It's got the actual person in it. And uh, I don't know. I thought there was somewhere maybe the person shows up at the end. I, I don't think it happens often. I can't think of any. they do it after they're dead. Anybody know of any? Are there any biopics where the subject actually makes an appearance in the movie? In the grate, in the ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> We're in shot at all times. Yeah. So Miss Monroe yeah. was in fact not in the film. Not as such, no. Ah. Um, just seeing her at the very end, she looks like somebody I'd get out of the way of. Yeah. There's just presence about that person. Even though you see her for like, it's got to be five seconds if, if she that. just walks, walks into yeah. the courtroom. Um, yeah. So it's, I'm glad I watched it. I don't think it's a great film. It was not award worthy. Um, the performances were good, but they weren't outstanding. Yeah. Really good. Um, but I think it was important to see something about this, this lost treasure, really this national treasure. Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, not that kind of national treasure. I'm, uh, I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal the Statue of Liberty. There's a solid uh, old Ginsburg. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, if you want to know more about RBG and you uh, want to see something that's a lot less Hollywood than it could have been, although I think there's actually a movie out there called RBG. Yeah, that, uh, that's an actual documentary. Sure. Go ahead. It's yeah, fine. I think so. Um, but poll question and how to get in touch with us. Yes, we have our business. Mm. And of course, you can always. Find us. Now, if you do want to answer our poll question, which is once again, what movie do you wish had never had a sequel or sequels? And Rogue Warfare is not the correct answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, technically that's true because as far as, at least not yet, we have not had a Rogue Warfare 4. Yeah. uh, Oh, fingers crossed. Uh, You can answer this by going to our, our uh, website at, uh, w- at uh, maxmikemovies.com and leaving a comment. Yeah, that's also where our back catalog of all, all our historically archived episodes are. Uh, you can also email us at our famous web email address, us at maxmikemovies.com. You can tweet Mike directly. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Twitter or Facebook. You also can try. Max I don't Mike, have a Twitter account. Max Mike Movies. <laughs> You can, uh, of course, listen to us on the podcast app of your choice. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. I think that's it. Yeah. So uh, uh, what are we watching next week? Well, before we get to that, there is something uh, I'd like to do. We haven't done this yes. in a long time, and I think it's uh, it's far overdue. Uh, okay. Um, I, I, I would just like to apologize. Well, I, I, I think that's about time. I'm glad you've done this. The healing can begin. What are you apologizing for? Um... Nothing really, but we haven't done it in a while, so That's I kind of thought we no. probably Oh, you just kind of missed it? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, We're very, be... very sorry. Very sorry. Yeah, really. sorry. I, uh, try not, well, we won't do it again. No, whatever yeah. it was. But, uh, we're, yeah. What uh, are we going to watch next week? Next week, I'd like to get ahead. <laughs> As in, what's cricket, that in the cricket, road? Cricket, ahead? Cricket. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> now you're supposed to ask me. <laughs> and... What co- what the heck is that incredibly clumsy lead-in for? That's not the question. You're supposed to say, how far uh, oh, ahead do you want oh, to I'm get? Oh, I'm sorry. How far ahead? <laughs> Miles you? ahead. Uh, 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 oh, yes. my sides. 
<laughs> oh, we crack each other up. Ha ha ha. It's all so genius. Uh, the fun we have. <laughs> no, I would like to watch the uh, Don Cheadle film, Miles Ahead. Um, partially because I think it's a film that really went under the radar. But it is about Miles Davis, more or less. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and we would like to well, answer Well, there the is question. a character named Miles Davis in it. <laughs> but th- we would like to answer the question, when is a biopic not a biopic? And I think next week it might just go a little like this. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. 